the 82nd edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that would still struggle to choose September's goal of the month. I am Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic, and I hope this finds you safe and well. I'm talking quite loudly into the microphone because I haven't adjusted the volume levels of that sting and we are recording live, but you don't need to know that. On the way, Tough More Foundations, Kabakenbauer, that's very much a hat tip to Hannah Shaddock, by the way, and international breakage. We'll work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening, our own Scottish maestro commentator and journalist, although he's also got his uh, solo gig, hasn't he, on, on the go now as well, Stuart Hodgie the Hack Hodge. Yeah, we are space buddies, mate. That's what we are. Twitter space buddies. Astronauts of the cybersphere, me and you. Spaces buddies. I love that. Um, we also have tonight a pair of on-the-ball debutants. They are CanaryCast podcast pundit Jacob Robinson. Hello. Lovely to be on. Thanks for asking me on, Michael. Buzzing to be here and to speak about an actual solid Premier League point. Can't wait. <laughs> Proper solid point, by the way. I, I've, I've always wanted someone to come on and say they were buzzing to be here. So that, I'm really, now really excited about that. <laughs> and, uh, and also we have a City fan and lawyer, which immediately makes her a vitally important member of On The Ball, given there's always a risk we'll defame someone. It's Susanna George. Good evening, Susanna. Hi. Hi. How are you? How are you? Very, very good. Also, very excited to be here. <laughs> this is brilliant. This is this is what we like to hear. I, I well, actually feel that I now have license to see what I want, which is dangerous territory, no, mate. No, 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 <laughs> Hodgie, that is absolutely not the truth. Not you are not allowed to do that. How are you though, Stu? I'm not too bad, mate. Um, I I didn't see the game at the weekend, so absolutely the perfect guest to have on if you want just nonsensical remarks. But on the ball, regular listeners will know that's all I provide anyway. Nah, I love that you come out with that straight at the top of the of the pod. That's the way. Well, we'll we'll try try not to throw anything too uh, niche <laughs> towards you if we can. Um, uh, Susanna, let give us a little bit of uh, of um. Norwich background. So let's see a couple of off the cuff questions. So maybe okay. a favorite favorite player, and I appreciate one Ooh. is always tricky. Okay, I'm going to go with my very first favorite player for Norwich, uh, which was Dave, David Nielsen uh, oh. back in sort of 2001. I think it was because it was one of the first games I remember going to with my my dad and, and my granddad. I remember he. Sc- I think maybe I went to two successive games, perhaps in his loan spell when he scored sort of five and five, um, and I was like, I. I, I like him. He's going to be my favourite player. And I I got a uh, Norwich City teddy bear for Christmas that year and I named it David Nielsen. Um, oh, I, I also my sister, my sister got one as well. And her teddy bear was a lot shorter than uh, David Nielsen. So I asked her to call it Paul McVeigh, but she didn't. So. Oh, what did she call it? I, actually, I don't remember, but it was it was something like Fluffy or something like that. Oh, <laughs> come on. David Nielsen or Fluffy? <laughs> well, David Nielsen, well, David Nielsen existed, just not Paul McVeigh, the the smaller bear. Yeah, um, but... <laughs> yeah I'd be the smaller bear, definitely. Yeah, I love that. Well, I mean, David Nielsen was obviously um, a, a favourite of mine because he would, you know, if you were standing in the Barclay or whatever, you'd get a fist pump. You'd know it'd be the first thing you'd do. He'd run on as a substitute <laughs> quite a bit, give it a fist pump, and you're like, mm-hmm. sometimes you just need that as a fan base, <laughs> don't you, Jacob? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you need to. And that's uh, probably a player that I love as well, Grant Holt, who probably a bit more everyone knows is a bit of your kind of mm. normal answer. But, you know, he, he kind of got every kind of game he was in there. He was at 
almost that old throw, old throwback strike, wasn't he? Where probably nowadays, almost like a Jordan Hugel, probably wouldn't be as respected as much. But yeah, absolutely loved him. And when I was watching him in the just going up the leagues, it was like incredible just to see how every Premier League defender hated him. That was just very enjoyable <laughs> to watch over a season. And should have gone to Euros. I'll never forget that. Should still be still should should have gone in my opinion. I think he'd agree with you there as well. Yeah, just mm. remarkable watching someone pick up three Player of the Season awards and just yeah. do what he did while he was at the club. So that's a great shout, Jacob. Thanks for coming us on. Would you would you be doing any canary casting right now? Have we nicked you, or was it all right? Was it going to be a night off? No, it was going to be a night off, but we probably should do one for the international break and talk about. It's been very difficult for the last how many games, Michael? I've been watching yours and uh, your uh, reviews and thinking, you know what? I can't even muster that. Then I was thinking the amount of um, what was the the scathing reviews? I was thinking it's bad if Michael Bailey's going this scathing. So I just thought, right, I'll leave it. Let the experts talk, and I'll uh, matter some nonsense in the international break. I love that. Well, I mean, in, in fairness, imagine a podcast not broadcasting during the international break. Who would do that? <laughs> Shocking. Well, I tell you what, I reckon we should crack on um, uh, with where we usually start, which is, of course, our headline act. That is the really loud sting, I remember now. Uh, only one place to start, obviously, which is Turf Moor, the scene of Norwich's epic, I think you basically teased this earlier, epic Premier League point, uh, a whole one. They got a whole point. Um, and that is, it is the first of any note in the Premier League uh, since February 2020. Um, not much has happened in the wider world since then, obviously. Um, it's been quite interesting, though. I'll come to you, Hodgie, first, if I may. Um, it's okay. been quite interesting because... I guess there are some people who are like, what are you doing getting getting excited about a point at Burnley? And you probably should have won because Burnley are rubbish. Um, but 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 I I think generally there's a bigger picture to that, is there? Or am I a bit deluded in thinking that? Oh, uh, do you know what? I don't even know anymore, to be honest, mate. It's one of those, like, half of me is going, yeah, this is progress. And I think I like the system. I've decided that. And I think it suits... Kabak in particular, who I think is the most gifted of our defenders. And I'm not saying we're going to go full Chris Wilder, Sheffield United, overlapping centre-backs, carry on. But seeing him carrying the ball out of defence, seeing Stormin' Norman, who's my shout for player of the year at this early stage. Doing <laughs> player of the season. Of, <laughs> love it. Um, do, do, doing I, a bit of everything. No, like, I mean, if he carries on in this vein, I think he's been probably the best City player in every game he's played so far. Uh, definitely not much competition, Hodgie. <laughs> no, that, that's true, Jacob. Mate. But like, it's, it's one of those where you look at it and you think, I'm beginning to see a few green shoots here, and we're not that out of touch as it stands, anyway. And one other thing, by the way, um, for all that they've annoyed me, thank you, Talksport, because you've actually galvanised what could be a divided and sort of annoyed fan base against one thing. So I think the siege mentality setting in a wee bit. And we did say in our Friday Twitter space, Michael, in fact, I think I said, I bet you, we, uh, if it's nil-nil, we would definitely take that. So I can't even really oh, yeah. go back in that, can I? No. Nah. Good, good nil-nil. Um, can I just say that's the final mention of TalkSport tonight? Because I, I, I don't know what's going on at that radio station, but they all seem to be... It's like they've gone, this is really great for our exposure and engagement. Let's just slag off Norwich. I I, I get making the point once. You're doing it through about four different people 
over the space of four. What are they doing? So anyway, no, honestly, honestly man, no, no, like, no. Mm. I, I, sorry, I know he says quick, the last quick. mention, and there is another feature in the show where I was going to go my dinger on this, but if you don't want me to, that's fine. But um, no, I, th- I think the, the key thing for me is I have never seen one media institution so targetedly go after one football club. It's absolute madness. And well, I, I don't know if it's just are Norwich fans that engaged socially that that's what they're chasing? Well, when that's Man United that's why I'm gonna, Arsenal that's, and Chelsea are there? It's you know true, that's I mean? why I'm going to stop you talking about it stop stop it stop it um, and also i don't know if i want to know about your dinger but um i'll give him a oh, bit sorry, of time that, to think. That's, that's scottish that that that, mean, that just means um, oh. sort of venting my spleen yeah okay i believe you um uh, so come here with your scottish words um, again, um oh god i've gone um you, you know you've got a bit of time before we get to pick that one out don't worry so um that's all grand um what was I thinking about um, before I was going to ask that question? I, I literally can't remember what I was going to say now. But um, I suppose the progress is um, I did a bit with Benjamin Bloom this morning, which is really interesting because he, he asked me some quite um, quite complicated questions, actually, about what, what Norwich are. What is this? What are they doing? And I suppose one of the points, Jacob, is, you know, what if Norwich are going to achieve what they want to achieve this season, they've got to find three teams that are worse than them, essentially. Um, I kind of feel like we came up against one on on Saturday. Yeah, if I think finish below Burnley, then you're in those bottom three spaces for, for sure, aren't you? Um, I was also in two minds, I was thinking, nil-nil after, straight after game, I was like, ah, oh, buzzing. But then I'm thinking, is this because we've been so bad that I've been brainwashing thinking that nil-nil is good? But then I'm thinking, Burnley away, you would take a point. But then all these things going through your head and thinking, Burnley were very bad. Like, they are they are poor. I know they're missing Corno, probably their main standout player who will win them points on their own, did against Leicester with two brilliant goals. But um, yeah, I was thinking there was positive shoots for, for sure. The defence was a lot better. I mean, that's probably because we didn't have to play against any intricate passing. It was just Sunday league, right, let's head it, kick it and get rid of it, which is Hanley and Gibson's kind of forte really, isn't it? Especially Grant, who was who was magnificent. Um, Kabak was brilliant as well. Look forward to kind of talk about him in a minute. But uh, it's the it's going forward, which is the issue. And again, maybe the the later substitutions, like I think you said, Michael, maybe a Frasich came on earlier, maybe a Jolice as well. There was that gap wasn't there behind that uh, four midfield or those two central midfielders where you're thinking two attacking midfielders running with some dynamism rather than trying to lump it up to Sargent and um, Pukki on the wings um, would have been potentially potentially a bit more uh, fortuitous and helpful for Norwich because as we saw with Kabak once you broke that kind of press Burnley were very open they were indeed um which makes it a little bit disappointing doesn't it Susanna that that Norwich only had two shots on target yeah a little bit I mean there were some great things and some really promising things from from the Burnley game but but our age-old problem is is shooting out and, and not even just that but at least if we're only going to get a few shots we've got to make them count and did I see a statistic that we've had like we've had about sixty odd shots and we've only scored one? I, yeah, that might I, have been I feel in my like, piece, I think that might have been in your. I think that might have been from you. And I, I just think that we can't do that. In the, you can't do that in the Premier League. You can't. Um, we, we, but we need. To, we're figuring out the, the way it works. And I think defensively it worked well. Whether that was because Danny were poor, or but I, I think you know Quebec was amazing. Um, and I, yeah, I. I the, t- the, the team needed time to gel and we still need to work out how we're going to service Pookie and how we're going to service Sargent properly. And I think I think Jolice might be a good one for Sargent because I saw the um, the cup game with Bournemouth and those two together when they're on, when they're switched on was, was out. It was amazing. It was phenomenal. Um, but they haven't had a lot of time 
to sort of get that working and then we need to work out how who's going to service Pookie in the way that that Buendia did ah Emmy I think we mentioned him each week I think (laughs) it happens and that's absolutely fine um yeah it will be interesting with Christos Jolis when Mm -hmm. he when he comes in and gets a bit more time because I think I'm quite looking forward to that Mm -hmm. um me too yeah I I'll probably come on to the subject you did touch on the substitutions I feel I'm going to mention it oh no no I will mention now because I, like you said, Jacob, I was kind of hoping that that maybe I thought Josh was struggling a little bit in that he worked really hard and I think actually probably helped Norwich progress the play more than I was maybe giving him credit for at the actual time. Um, the issue I had was that as soon as Rashid uh, came on for like the last 10 minutes, Norwich immediately seemed to have much more threat, which, by the way, is promising because I don't think we've really seen enough of Milot yet. And it's clearly a very talented player in there. Uh, but I, I spoke to Daniel Farker about it and he was like, you could tell on the touchline and he was having a long old conversation, really debating when to make these changes. And clearly they've got a point on the line. Could you imagine if they'd ended up losing one nil in the last five minutes? Cause he'd made an attacking substitution. It'd been a disaster. So he, he was a bit sort of hamstrung, I think. And he did kind of make the point that Josh Sargent was on Tarkovsky for the set pieces. So if you brought off Josh Sargent, then, you know, <laughs> you're going to end up with Milo up against Tarkovsky and people going, what's up with your zonal marking? So you can probably see that coming as well. Um, but it, it is kind of, um, I suppose we should now talk about Quebec's run. Um, uh, as I said, Hannah, Hannah Shadok absolutely nailed it with uh, Quebec and Bauer. I can't even say it. Quebec, 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 Quebec and Bauer? Quebec and Bauer. Is that right? As in Beckenbauer, but Quebec and ba- like that. Oh, I'm a big been, fan. Uh, of that. I it it that. was very good. That's why. That's why Hannah um, does proper proper writing and headlines. <laughs> um, uh, and it was a it was a wonderful run, um, wasn't it, Jacob? The way he he strode forward. I, you could probably criticise him for maybe not picking out someone in front of him because he could have ended up with an amazing assist. <laughs> um, but then I suppose had Norman scored his free kick, then it would have been the same end. Head rush as well, isn't it? I think if you're expecting a <laughs> midfielder or an attacker in that position, maybe, yeah, they do play it. But considering he's just ran, well, literally the length of the pitch, taken on about six players quite easily. And uh, yeah, like you say, before he, he is about to either... I, I couldn't work out if he's pulling the trigger to to do another fake shot or to pass it, but then he does get clipped by Rodriguez. So I'm going to give the, um, the benefit of the doubt. And like you say, if Norman scores the free kick, then I'm going to be re- replaying that on Twitter saying it's the assist, assist of the season. But... Um, yeah, it was a brilliant run. And I think him growing into the confidence of the game, he, he should be able to do that a lot more. He tried against Everton, didn't he? And with that kind of five-of-the-back system, you're already going to have two centre-backs covering him and hopefully a wing-back who's not on his side. So you've already got that and a defensive midfielder, hopefully, if they're there. Then you've still got about four players behind him if he was to lose it. But he does look very confident. And let's be honest, he's a massive upgrade on anything we've seen in, in the Daniel Farker era of centre-backs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I was speaking, by the way, here's here's um, here's the kind of strong sources I've got journalistically. I was speaking to a Turkish taxi driver today, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> something you might not know. Um, Fenerbahce are, like, a lot of Fenerbahce fans in Turkey follow Norwich because there's a, a Canadian. If anyone knew, it was not. Um, I'm not entirely sure. 
But um, yeah, I was talking to him and he said that he reckons Kabak is in, in a talented Turkey team that really underperformed at the Euros. He reckons he's the best ball playing defender. So that shows the calibre of player you're talking about. And I think the performances of him, the performances of Norman, the fact we've seen flashes from Rashica, Cholis, and Josh Sargent obviously is what we were all told Josh Sargent was going to be, which is a very hard working player that maybe doesn't generate many goal chances, um, for either for himself or for teammates particularly. I, I think you're seeing the quality of the summer additions beginning to really, really show now. So it's just a case of turning that into results. But I think the Tarkovsky point was another really important one because that is the difference at Premier League level and it is the sheer physical. And I do think in terms of that side of it, that we are matching up better than, than we would have done a couple of seasons back. So there are positive signs there. There are positive signs. Definitely. And and I, I do think a lot of them revolve around Quebec and Matthias Norman, who I think have both shown, to be honest, from, from their first game that they have quite a bit about them. I, the more I look at Ozan, the more I think that I actually think Daniel Farker made the wrong decision to play him against Watford because I think it was a game too soon. And I think Quebec doesn't concede that first goal um, with a few games under his belt. And in a game where, you know, from, you know, five minutes after the fixtures were released in June, you knew Norwich probably needed to win it. Um, that was a that was a very big call. Um, I don't know if he'd maybe change his mind in hindsight, Daniel Farker, I don't know, but it doesn't strike me as the sort of answer he'd probably give, but there we go. And uh, I mean, Matthias Norman, Susanna was um, was player of the month for September. I think he only played about two, mm. if, if that, well, probably about one and a half games in total. So um, that's good, isn't it? Because that was such a key position that Norwich needed to, to fill. And he already is clearly having a big influence. He's mm. taking all the set pieces and everything. Yeah, no, he he looks he looks so strong. He looks so confident. I think we've got some. He's, there's something about him that is just so magic. And it and it's and what is what is great about him and also having Quebec in, in there and, and sort of creating all these these opportunities and that run and, and things is that that everybody I think the Premier League know Pookie is known quantity and they think he's our only threat. But if we start having firing on all cylinders, they're not yeah. going to have a clue how to mark it. But Norman is is amazing. What I like about Norman is sort of he's he's sort of uh, he's kind of got the sort of creativity of of sort of lightener and and things but then he's 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 also I'm not going to say like skip but he also has that strength as well and it's kind of like a marriage of the two I I think for Norman and I think it's an amazing marriage I think I think he's like the perfect person he's what we needed and I think he's going to be really impressive. Well said, Steve. Steve Sanders will be delighted you've mentioned Ollie Skip as well. Um, <laughs> imagine those two team. together. Imagine those two together, Norman and Skip. Oh my oh, God! Oh, oh, that would yeah. So yeah, Norman's got that um, that like leadership as well. I think Kabak plays within himself yeah. at times and kind of plays himself into the game and is probably getting used to the the system. The, the well, he's twenty one as well. That's the thing. Yeah, about yeah, he's still crazy, a young man. Yeah. Whereas how old's Norman? Twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So you can see he's played and he's kind of been around the block as well, didn't make it at Brighton, has kind of found himself, as he said, in, in Russia. And you can just see that he's got the confidence. Like you said, Michael, he takes every set piece. I mean, his Instagram speaks for itself as well, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> in terms of the confidence he's got. But yeah, he's just bringing that to the to the, the club and lifting players up, I think. 
I yeah, mean, no, some, I, I, some, I was just going to say, Stu, that someone's told Matthias that he can take a long throw and, it, and no one seems to be willing to tell him that it's probably not that long because <laughs> he's still Nick doing Pope it. But there we go. We'll take it. In, at the weekend, didn't he? Nick Pope we'll, was just like catching practice. <laughs> we'll take it anyway. Sorry, Hodgie, you go. No, I was just going to say, I totally agree with Susanna's point about him being like a creative midfield enforcer. But it's his body language. It's his body language when he's on the football field that I think is just different. Because it's almost like, you know, all of that kind of psychological sort of baggage that was around Norwich until we finally got a blooming point, right? That didn't seem to bother him at any point. He was playing and playing his game and was going out there and trying to influence it and, and came close to doing so and and, and the, the two games that I watched him play in and it looks like he was very much a focal point in this one as well I saw that that was it he Hanley and Krull made team one of the teams of the week yes, so for score did, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I think that is proof that I mean that's a that's the goalkeeper a centre back or the central centre back and uh, the central midfielder. So in terms of getting the spine of the team right, it looks like that's going in the right direction. And actually, I think the best additions have been in the wider areas. So it's about kind of getting get, getting the best out of those other new players that we've got in now. And I, I think I think that system is here to stay. I, I do have to say. I mean, I'm not saying you won't change it up if we need to in a game or change it up for the odd game to counter a specific type of tactical threat or maybe for a cup game where he wants to, to try some stuff and play some different players. But I think that system's going to be here to stay now because it's given us a solid foundation to build upon. What, what do you guys think about that? Uh, well, I think it'll be there um, to stay for as long as Premier League teams don't figure it out. <laughs> because what I've, what I've learned about the Premier League is tactically, teams are very quick to um, find your weaknesses in it and pull them apart. So... Um, but certainly the performance levels, I'm, I'm glad, were better. Um, that's they seem to be improving. I think sometimes a formation can be a bit of a bit of a misnomer of a debate. Do you, do you think that you that gives us the best chance of success against Brighton if we played like that? Because I, I would definitely say so. Very well, I don't know, isn't it, with Brighton because they play far mm. in the back as well. And I was watching Norwich and I was watching Brighton, and the difference is actually night and day in terms of the way they play. So, like with mm. Kabak and um, Gibson, you can see as the kind of two other centre-halves, the right and left side, you can see that they're quite new to it. They're not branching out almost as right back and left back, which Brighton do perfectly. Then the wing backs almost go as wingers. So I think we could potentially very quickly see Brighton absolutely overload us in terms of five against five and a a team that know what they're doing, a team that are still trying to adapt and get used to it. Because I still think Dimi and Max are not high enough and not really getting used to... um, how to almost be those wing-backs. I think Dimi is perfect for that role. And also, a couple of times against Burnley, it was playing it into the middle and losing it so cheaply against a better team who will go through the the, the stages of play rather than hoof it. Mm. Uh, will kind of get that ball a lot quicker to a, a Trossard, to then Mope, to then 1-0 with those kind of mistakes. So it'll be very interesting. Like you say, Hodgie, it's, it's made us a lot more solid. I just think the midfield and the forward line, there's still far too much of a gap there to to actually really make that proper transition because we're still losing it far too easily for me. No, that's a really good point. Fair play. Um, brilliant stuff, Jacob. I, I just want to move this uh, this on a little bit before we bring this section to an end. Um, we, we spend a lot of time mitigating what's going on at Norwich, Susanna, and going on about the uh, the the faith and the project and the bigger picture and, and how mm. it will come good at some point. Um Two issues. One, um, Brentford won again. 
Um, so that's becoming quite awkward now. And um, to Watford sack their manager again. Um, I think that's becoming quite awkward too. I think that's 17 managers in 10 years. Um, and I suppose... Is that well, worse than Forrest? Is Forrest, is Forrest had quite a lot, didn't they? I know it's yeah, not Premier League. No, but, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think between the two of them, um, I think Watford <laughs> are winning that one. But I, I mean, to be fair, I don't really have an issue with how Watford go about it. You know, no. clubs do things different ways and you can't mm. argue with the success Watford have had for change their managers. It, it just mm. sort of amuses me that Norwich and Watford seem to do things so incredibly oppositely. It's mm. remarkable. Um, so the that's One thing I would point to is the relationship between Watford, Granada and Udinese needs some investigating, but carry on. Mm. <laughs> well, is, is that, are we just trying to give Susanna some legal work there? Uh, yeah, I suppose there, there, there are a few club networks as well, aren't there, Stu, now as well? Um, so the, the Pozzo family, I've got Claudio Ranieri in, which will be very interesting. I'd forgotten he'd managed at Fulham um, since winning the Premier League with, with Leicester. That completely erased mm. from my mind. So I guess we'll see what which Claudio turns up, which is exciting. Um, but Brentford... Susanna, I, I mean, is is that a niggle? It annoys me because we what was it March that we beat, we sort of beat them up, and, and, and to be honest, I I never I didn't think they were coming up with us. I really didn't. I, I thought it was going to be Bournemouth at Swansea and sort of lost it. Like, so I didn't think they were even coming up with us. So the fact that they've come and they're they're sort of smashing it is baffling to me. I and mean, it's, it's not baffling when you look at the players and, and the stuff that they're doing really well. Um, but it's really, yeah, frustrating. And then we, we obviously have, you've obviously got uh, Canos in there who was ours. And we're thinking, oh, he's doing really good stuff. And I'm kind of like, oh, why did we let him go? But I, it's one of those things like how many players have, have, have been sort of all right for us or whatever. And then they've gone on to do amazing things. You're like, well, where did that come from? I, I don't remember that, you know, spark from before, but... Yeah, it, it, it's frustrating. But but then again, you know, Sheffield did the same last time came up and they're not here anymore. So This is true. This is true. It may be the second season. <laughs> well, I mean, to have a second season stumble, you need a good first season. So maybe one bridge mm -hmm. at a time. But I, I mean, Stu and, Stu and Jacob, if what what the, the thing that sticks out to you two about Brentford? Uh, Stu, do you want to go first? If you want. Um, so, Norwich City have bought loads of players and are trying to find a system. Brentford buy players to fit a system. They've had an identity and a way of playing, which has been the case throughout Thomas Frank's tenure uh, in terms of shape. They don't really vary that much from that. And they buy players that fit to play in that shape. And then it's dependent on the personnel they pick, where, how, how the team's going to play but they're all players that play in the positions that they're meant to play. So if you look at uh, Wiesa, for example, who's been brought in, he's a player that will very much fit into that role on one of the flanks either side of the striker, you know? And I, I just think that the... I think another element that's going in their favour is the fact that they've not actually done anywhere near as much. Not excited wholesale surgery to the squad. Brentford have had a few key additions. So I think those factors have probably kind of played into this. Plus, there's also just that, and this is where football's still actually fun a little bit, is there's just that thing that they've not been in the Premier League for, what is it, 70 years more? and uh, Or in the top flight, because obviously football started in 1992. So <laughs> I, I think that factor is really, really playing into it because... Brentford have that, it's it's the kind of shot to nothing type thing. Although, I mean, I'm sure they don't see it like that. But 
the, the, the weight of expectations not there. It's an adventure for the fans, for the club. And I think that is, is what sometimes just gives you a bit of freedom to go out and play and enjoy the experience. Jacob? I slightly disagree with Stuart about the system because they changed about halfway through to a five at the back. But like you say, now they've almost kind of found themselves. They knew they were going to be in those playoff situations because Watford and Norwich were really churning that second half of the season and kind of thought, what's the best way of going about the playoffs? Let's be honest, there wasn't many good teams last year in the championship. They were solidified in those playoffs. And like Daniel Farker said about Sheffield United, like Susanna was saying, when they went up, a lot easier to stay up being solid. And then that second season becomes slightly tricky when you found out that way. I think that it's always a bonus that they have a Josh Sargent and a Timu Puki all in one in Ivan Tony, who can literally be played up to. He can spin, he can run and he can finish. The whole point about, I think, Abar, Kabak and Norman, Norwich have either players who are adjusting to the Premier League system or are scarred by the Premier League. As soon as you go 1-0 down, you see the, the players from two years ago almost be like, here we go again. Maybe it's subconsciously, but that's just how I see it. And those players don't fully believe, what is it now, 30 games? Uh, we've been behind under Daniel Fark and not come back once. But with Brentford, it is kind of a free system. And Thomas Frank, to be fair to him, whilst he's a bit Marmite, you can see that he pumps those players up and they are fully believing in him. Then they don't play around with it too much at the back if they don't have to. They'll get up and they'll be very direct like they did against Arsenal. They'll pin it up with Tony and Abuemo runs off him, who has completely changed his kind of way of playing because he was a winger. Now he's a forward, quite uh, misses quite a few chances. But again, they seem to create quite a lot because they've got a good midfield base as well. I think like Stu said at the very start, they just know their system very well now. They won't deviate from that. And it helps that they've gone and got quality in the areas where they needed to, whilst pretty much every other player has kind of upgraded themselves. Let's be honest, Canos is a winger who's played at wing back and hasn't hmm. been found out yet. It's quite remarkable, really, because... <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, th- that's why the second half of the season is always so interesting, because I think when teams come up against you for a second time, they, they have sometimes got a better idea of how to... Even players themselves have a better idea of how to take you on <clears throat> and, and what to do about it. So that's really interesting. I mean, um, what you said there, Stu, about then Brentford not needing major surgery. Uh, I mean, I suppose Norwich in their first season, when it didn't really work out, they they kind of didn't um, have major surgery that time. I just wonder if Thomas Frank is a better Premier League coach than Daniel Farker. I suppose I'm putting it out there because I want Daniel what? to prove me wrong. But the way he's got them looking pretty secure, I mean, and, and because they, they seem pretty tight defensively but also they are outperforming their xg going forward so maybe that won't sustain but um you know i guess maybe thomas frank's background in the in the clubs he'd managed maybe suits a team up against it in a top flight i don't know more than don't daniel's know what you, background you think as well michael like i always see <laughs> daniel farker at the moment as almost like a graham potter like in terms of if you'd given him brighton after two years of pretty crap football sorry rubbish football don't have to swear that's honestly. fine no you'll be right <laughs> <laughs> two, two years of rubbish football um but col- consolidated and then kind of was slowly getting rid of the players who weren't good enough or very in between and could then develop and then go and play the nice football norwich almost need that uh, to have those two years of consolidation. And then if you were to bring a Daniel Farker in, he'd actually elevate you to the next level like Potter's done at Brighton. I just don't know if Daniel Farker is that man who can consolidate and get you those kind of horrible set-piece one-nil wins for a couple of years before you're able to upgrade your team to then be able to put you on to that next level. 
That's why he's got it all to prove. Um, just rounding off this section, um, why is uh, December the 2nd a date I would uh, read out to you all? I wouldn't expect no anyone idea. to know. <laughs> feels like a Steve Sanders-ism is coming. No, it's, a, it's because the morning of December, by the time we get to the morning of December the 2nd, Norwich will have played Brighton at home, Leeds at home, Brentford away, Southampton at home, Wolves at home, Newcastle away. And um, at that point, we are going to have a very clear idea as to whether this side has got it in them to stay up. So there we go. December the 2nd, write it all in your diaries. <laughs> we'll, we'll, all, we'll all have a reconvene then and we can either have a, have a, have a, have a nice, uh, nice hot chocolate and... Uh, and look forward to what the rest of the season has on offer, or we can have a nice hot chocolate and um, look forward, look forward to, to June. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the way. That's the way, Jacob. You know it. Uh, right. Um, brilliant stuff there. Um, as we approach uh, this section of the podcast, wherever we're at, uh, I reckon it's time to um, bring on uh, a bit of this, which is this. <laughs> Thing. Uh, it's pick that one out. This is where uh, the podders each get a window to bring up an issue they're struggling to let go. Uh, if they lose themselves for more than 30 seconds, the buzzer will sound and it will sound like this. <coughs> Hope you heard that. I might have to turn it up a bit. Um, and then it'll be time to let it go. Maybe we could carry on. We'll see how we get on. Um, Hodgie, do you uh, do you want to go first with your um, 30 I'm seconds? Go for it. I'm do what I'm you want. Am I allowed go to for it. the thing that we said we weren't allowed to talk about? Go on, go. Right, talk sport. I mean, I've never <laughs> worked for them. I have worked for talk radio. They still owe me money for a segment I didn't know. I am quite annoyed by the... Just, I mean, it's a, it's a station that's designed to provoke reactions. And I think for... It calls itself, what is it, the world's biggest sports radio station. If that's the case, then act befittingly because this is nonsense and it's a bit like picking the biggest guy in the playground, picking on the smallest wee guy and stealing all his dinner money. It's ridiculous. And uh, it's already been pointed out the wee guy's got no dinner money anyway and that's ironically the problem that they've got. Um, uh, brilliant Stu well done Uh, I think Susanna was laughing at that wondering if she was going to suddenly have to deal with some sort of uh, defamation but I think we're all right I don't think it counts as malicious if you haven't been paid by them so I think we're I think we're okay well done Hodgie it's it's malicious towards me (laughs) true true spiteful spiteful definitely Um, Susanna would you like to go next okay yeah yes no I can I can do that tell them to go the, the booing of the players that happened a few a few sort of weeks ago, I, I think is awful. I mean, imagine if you sort of went into work and you had a terrible day and you're already mulling over and kicking yourself in your head. Imagine if your colleagues booed you as you went out of the office. It'd be absolutely ridiculous. You wouldn't want to come back in the next day and do well. You'd be like, well, stuff that. No, you know, booing should be at the referee, VAR, your opposing team when they're taking a corner. You know, it's, it's pantomime things. You, you don't do it to your team if you want to motivate them. You cheer a bit louder next time, but I have absolutely no time for it. It's rude and annoying, and yeah. Well said. Well, there, there we go. It was, it was interesting. There was a, I was listening to a Manchester United um, fan on one of the phone-in shows. <laughs> Would dread to think of saying which which radio station it was, um, and they were saying, "Oh, you know, we just don't. We as United fan base, we don't really, you know, boo 
anyone. That's just not what we do, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, I mean, he went on to say that most of them don't want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager, <laughs> but it's just if you don't don't vocalise it, I guess how does anyone know? And, and then you end up with him a lot a long time, I suppose. But that's uh, really a complete segue to uh, to you. Your turn, Jacob. Well, great point, Susanna. By the way, well done, um, Jacob. What have you got? So I'm going to go back to what we spoke about a little bit earlier, and that was the Ozan Kabak run, and actually supporters criticising it, criticising the praise that it got for it, and that there was some ironic, uh, oh, great goal. And that's fair enough. I know, yeah, there's no goal from it, but come on. This is a centre-back we've seen for the first time in, well, my lifetime. It's a centre-back that can actually run forward with the ball, past halfway line, and can actually play with the ball on the ground. Like, I think he's a massive upgrade. You've got to say that this is a... a uh, a process that he's going to only go on and develop and uh yeah he will be a big big part of what we do going forwards and hopefully next time we'll run and pass to pp he will finish yeah or maybe just smash it top bins this is proof that that kick it forward culture still exists <laughs> and I, I mean I, I thought we were past that you know well i think mean? i think all we wanted was a cute Little pass forward slightly to his right because <laughs> Tony yeah, no, was yeah, waiting. You know what? You know what I mean. I get it's, what you mean. It's the same fans, man. Like, and the thing is, like, we should have evolved beyond that because there's been an identity established over the past three or four years of the football club, which is apparently clear. And it's these same fans that booed Alex Tetty for passing it sideways against what was it Preston all those years ago, which caused me to write an article for. Um, a publication that you used to work for, Michael. So you can I, say it. You can say it. She was okay. <laughs> so what things were I going to work through? I was going to work through. Well, all I was going to say was, and you kind of touched on this earlier. I thought Dimi Yanulis was excellent. On I know position, he probably could have played slightly higher up, as you mentioned, Jacob. But actually, I thought he looked pretty secure at the back. Maybe apart from the last header and <laughs> the death that allowed him to put over. <laughs> um, but I don't know if they have Norwich have fullbacks who can defend those sort of um, headers anyway. But uh, yeah. I thought he looked really composed and much more confident and comfortable as as a wing back. Um, and I I wouldn't touch him playing there. I think he he deserves a, a decent run now and, and that chance to to shine. Um, Tim Krul punching um, Mate Vidra in the face. Um, uh, de- definitely never ever been a penalty according to uh, Dermot Gallagher. Which I mean. I, I thought it was a penalty. It's like, like, like punched like him in the face. It was like well, again, wasn't it? It was like, well, it just uh, knocked him out. I couldn't believe that he yeah, did it. I, I have it. to be honest, but, you know, fair play. We'll, we'll take it, it. It reminded me of the Hugo Lloris one of the Euros. Like, exactly, was, which was a penalty, wasn't it? It was given. Right. Yeah, uh, that completely agree. Um, and then uh, the Burnley crowd, which were which were quite hilarious. <laughs> That, um, that they couldn't really get their heads around the rules of football. That was what I took. <laughs> I couldn't imagine anyone having left Turf Moor on Saturday going, cool, that was a really knowledgeable crowd. Because uh, it, it just seemed like a, a, a lot of uh, booing that people, you know, could go in to people studs up and and somehow that not actually be a free kick. Never this mind a booking. The, so, this, yeah. this was the metropolis that elected the first BNP councillor in Britain. And I'll just okay. let that one hang. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, on that note, I reckon we should move on to um, a bit of this. This is almost fantasy football. It is. It's our chance to have a little look forward. Um, of course, we, we won't be on uh, next week because it's the international break. And basically, we've decided to take international breaks off now. Um, you know, we're like Ben Gibson. It's like, you know what? We're all right. <laughs> Maybe we'll get called up for them in future. But for now, we're going on holiday to Portugal. So I don't know if that's where he's gone. Um, so there we go. But the, the interesting thing from the international break, don't worry, uh, Susanna, Jacob and, and Haji, I'm not going to start um, 
drilling you on who's playing where at what time. But the interesting thing is, I think every Norwich player that is away, and Matthias Norman is still here, by the way, because he pulled out of the Norway squad through injury, but hopefully it's not a bad one. Fingers crossed. It sounds like it's not. Um, but yeah, everyone else will be done by Tuesday night, which is a lot earlier than last time. So I'm kind of hoping, it was in my piece on The Athletic uh, on Monday morning, that um, you know, that's at least a Wednesday recoup and then a Thursday, Friday, two solid days of training. And then you go again against Brighton at home on Saturday. And we've already spoken a little bit, Jacob, uh, about it. So, I mean, Susanna, when... I mean, Brighton have been pretty good this year. Uh, I, I've been very mm. impressed with them. And I think, um, I think, uh, I want to say Brian Potter, and it's not, is it? It's, it's Gary Potter. Is it Gary Potter? Mm, oh, Graham. it's Graham it, Potter. It, it, it could be Harry oh, Potter. With it. Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> it could be Harry Potter. I need to go to bed. I do like his beard. Uh, Graham Potter, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, Brighton look like a good side this year. I think, I, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near where Norwich are this that come the end of the season. <laughs> No, they're doing, they're doing really, they're doing really well. It's really weird because if you had to pick your three, I was never going to put Norwich in my team for going down. Um, <laughs> but if you had to pick three, if you had to pick three at the beginning of the season, I was thinking, well, oh, Brighton, may, maybe they'll be near there. I didn't think they would be in relegation, but I did think they would be that. But they're doing a lot better than, than I sort of thought. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a lot of, annoyingly, a lot of the teams that you thought we would maybe take are, are doing quite well. Um, and it's a bit worrying. <laughs> yeah, no, I get, I get that because I'd kind of hoped Wolves might struggle, and they seem to be able to mm. pick up a win where they need to. And even Leeds mm. have probably got enough to beat most teams. Um, but yeah. we'll see, I suppose. There's always injuries and things. But I mean, Brighton are an interesting case, aren't they, Hodgie? Because I think, um, I think last season they had a, a pretty good season, to be honest. And actually, I think most of my colleagues who uh, who love a bit of XG were. Uh, they they were dumb they were dumbfounded as to the fact that they they seemed to um, score far fewer than they were just confounding what XG was was supposedly marking them out in terms of being a, a good side and, and this year they seem much more together they've also kept everyone together haven't they Basoma's still there and that's that's quite a key mm-hmm. quite a key part of their their team too Stu yeah they're a good outfit and it's going to be a tough game but. Uh, the narrative is there. The, the story script is there for Storm and Norman uh, to do his business. Go back there and deliver a match-winning performance. So oh, that's true. It's his uh, fault. I hadn't even thought about that. It's his former team, isn't it? I Although, like, well, uh, the twenty-threes are. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I think I think obviously there's going to be an added incentive for him, and he, he has been the the player that has has generated the most excitement out of the summer signings. I think probably for everyone, definitely for me. Um, but I just think I think we're no far away. You know what I mean. Uh, but Brighton, Brighton are a good outfit, but I think we're the kind of team this season that's probably going to struggle against other gritty relegation fighting outfits and have a mm. few surprising results. Hopefully, more of the latter. Um, and, and I'm wrong about the former, but it does seem to me that they're the kind of team. That maybe look, Jacob actually eviscerated me tactically more than once tonight. Um, he did say uh, we were Brighton, and I could kind of see his point about how they sort of adapted to the system, blah blah blah. But I actually think that it's about Norwich City and it's about what Norwich City do. It's within Norwich City's control to win that game. It's not a game where I think you're relying, despite where they are in the league and the opponents they have an off day. I think we do have the quality in our ranks to beat them. And I think we can. I have to say, I thought, um, Jacob, that 
Brighton and Project Restart when they came to Carrow Road were were kind of let off the hook. I thought they were pretty average, and and Norwich just weren't really at the races, and well, as they weren't for most most of that, and it was it was probably a lot easier than it should have been. So, how are, how are Norwich going to pick them apart this time? <laughs> the, the the killer question that um hopefully um Basum is still injured. I think he missed the Arsenal game. They've got quite a few injuries actually. So fingers crossed that um they pick up a couple more on the international Brilliant. break as well. <laughs> injuries, <laughs> but, that's uh, the way. Yeah. Hopefully in a couple of weeks they uh, <laughs> won't all be back. But uh yeah, it's gonna be a tricky one. I think Brentford did well against them for the majority, obviously lost in the last mm-hmm. minute to them. They were quite aggressive at them and missed a couple of glorious opportunities really that they, they should have taken. But um it's an interesting one, isn't it? How do Norwich play it? Do you let Brian have all the ball and try and counter-attack in this kind of system? Uh, do you kind of try and match them up? I, I'd rather do that in terms of possession-wise because I think it's going to be a long old day if you just let them boss the ball for 70 60%. I don't think Daniel Fark has ever been a fan of, of doing that if he can avoid it. Um, I think the system will be exactly the same. Will the players be? It depends who comes back and how fit, obviously. Um, as long as Norman's in there, like like Hodgie was saying, I think that's the key man, isn't it? Hopefully a, mm. an abductor injury isn't too bad for two weeks, but um, hopefully they've just kind of let him have a rest. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see more Krasica, Jolice, a little bit more drive in that kind of final yeah. third. At the moment, you're relying on... I don't know. It's not even really a killer pass against Burnley. It was just kind of Sergeant running with it and hopefully trying to run through Tarkovsky or something. So, um, yeah, hopefully we get a little bit more uh, of a passage of play. I'd like to see Billy Gilmore in that side. I think Kenny's done okay. Uh, he's did okay against Burnley, made a couple of poor games against uh, uh, Watford and Everton. But um, I'd like to see Billy because I think he's got the, that killer pass. Just does he... Is he too much of a luxury player in there? That's the only thing you'd have to say. Mm-hmm. Maybe Pierre Lee Malou needs to sit out because, again, I fought against Burnley. Whilst his height was OK, I, I don't know if we've seen the best from him yet. Who, who would your two be up front? Now, that's a tricky one. I wouldn't go I wouldn't go with a two up top. I'd go 5-2-2-1. Two, two, and then you'd have mm-hmm. Jolly and Rasitra in behind. But then that's quite yeah. a few attacking players. Yeah. And do they both come back? Maybe not against the Brighton. And maybe when your system's a little bit better, maybe if Todd was available again, got so many uh, question marks there. And then are you too narrow? Sorry, I'm just going off on my own tangent. Love now. it. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that midfield is is a lot more key than the two up top in a way because we're not servicing whoever's up top. Like Pukki and Sarge didn't really have anything for the whole yeah. game. So it doesn't matter who's up there, really. It matters how you're going to feed them. And is that from the wing backs really going aggressive and the midfield being more solid? Or is it the, that midfield having one player who can kind of travel with it and play through the, the two up top? I feel like the uh, the midfield debate is one that has escaped us this evening, which is fine because we'll probably get a go at it after the Brighton game. But um, yeah, there's a few big decisions to be made there. Um, but we'll uh, we'll let Daniel Farkas stew over that one for a fortnight, and then he can make them ahead of Brighton. Um, I think that is all we've got time for for the 82nd edition of On the Ball, the Norwich City podcast that will head out to Portugal for a break and get prepared for Brighton as if the internationals never happened. Uh, If you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels most evenings. We haven't done it tonight, but that's okay. Uh, All you need to do is search Michael Bailey, The Athletic, Norwich City, and your preferred social platform, providing it's working and hopefully it'll show up uh, ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated and if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals sling me a direct message on twitter the handle is at michael j bailey uh, a big thank you to our guests this evening Stu. thank you so much thank you very much mate. 
top man um jacob and susanna debut's done um susanna did you enjoy it yeah it's been a pleasure it's been really fun to chat to you all <laughs> kind of feel like we're not coming back again <laughs> we need to do <laughs> december second december second party i feel like we need to need to do that or maybe what? not no no um I, well i think it's a midweek but i tell you what after that we'll, we'll try and reconvene something very similar and we'll get you back on but thank you so much for coming on and we'll do it again yeah we're gonna do it again <laughs> Yep. She's nodding. Yeah, good. That's okay. She's not going to see us. Um, <laughs> Jacob, thank you so much for taking the time from away from Canary Cast. Appreciate that. No, thank you for inviting me and uh, letting me me talk. And it's been yeah, a really good chat. The time's flown. So hopefully that's for all of you as well. Absolutely. Do you want to give a Canary Cast plug? Oh, yeah, yeah, might as well. You're very good when you come on ours. You're always on it. So, uh, yeah, I'm always Canary, plugging. Yeah, literally. Say something anything. important, Michael. No, no, I'm just <laughs> plugging myself. Uh, yeah, keywords, athletic, a lot on our, our search tabs. Uh, but, yeah, no, um, CanaryCast, yeah, everywhere. You can find us anywhere, chat to us, whatever. We'll probably upload this, this week because, like you say, then next week we'll have a week off before uh, the Brighton game. But, yeah, hopefully some more uh, positivity to speak about as the season goes on. Beautiful. And uh, Hodgie, we'll do another space on the Friday before the Brighton game. Yes, we will, mate. We are astronauts. But who is Neil Armstrong and who is Buzz Aldrin? Well, Stu's got to that point where he gets particularly abstract. So that's a good time to go. <laughs> Tom, Stu, uh, we'll be back. Uh, oh, let me play some music. Shall I? If I see if I could blah, 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 find the, play the music. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight with loads more Canaries Capers in another On the Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then... Never mind the danger. And we're clear. There we go. Stu, Susanna, and Jacob, all you Twitterkers out there, welcome to wit's end if any of you have stumbled across this for the first time and are wondering what in the hell is going on why the podcast hasn't actually ended then listen to on the ball podcast number 42 which went live on september the 8th 2020 it's all explained there uh, you can email this bonus part of the podcast directly the email address is twitterkers twitter k-e-r-s at icloud.com or use the hashtag twitterkers on twitter uh, just don't explain what it refers to because this is the secret club for only those who discover it. Um, you can visit twitterkers.co.uk as well if you want to um, visit the wonderful website um, that has been put together by uh, Dearest Charlie. Um, uh, we did have an email in, guys. So um, mm -hmm. this is from Matthew Rushbrook. Uh, players on the back of shirt, which is something I've spoken about, um, basically killing a lot of people's Norwich careers by deciding to put their name on the back of my shirt back in the day. Um, Hi, Michael, says Matthew. A quick anecdote about when I got it wrong when it comes to putting a player's name on the back of my shirt. My Christmas present back in 1999 was the Norwich City home shirt, the Coleman sponsor with green stripe down the side effort. Oh, nice. Uh, it was very excited. Uh, I was very excited to go to Carroll Road the next day for our home game versus QPR, which we won 2-1. After the game, my dad took me to the club shop so I could get my new shirt printed with the name and number of a player. This was the first time I ever had a name and number on the back. And even at nine years old, I wanted to ensure a, uh, I chose a player that not many others would go for. As a result, I opted to get Norwich's summer signing, Pape Sedu Diop, who Norwich had on a season-long loan at the time. 
Uh, in a cruel twist of fate, uh, Diop's loan was terminated two days later following allegations of him spitting at QPR fans in the previous game, something I wasn't aware of at the time. I was at that game. I was in the Barclay. He 100% spat at the QPR fans because I saw it fly through the air. It was from a long distance, but it was definitely, he definitely gobbed on them. Uh, I remember crying inconsolably when I heard the news as my new Norwich shirt was ruined. My mum encouraged me to use the World Wide Web brilliant to seek help from the club uh, this was the first time i'd used the internet for anything to my knowledge after asking a lovely person called jeeves brilliant uh, <laughs> he directed me to the yeah. official i haven't read this email before by the way this is the first time i'm reading this is it. great matthew, I'm, I'm loving it matthew this is we need one of these every week um, after asking a lovely person called jeeves he directed me to the official norwich city message board remember that uh, on the club's website where i asked if anything could be done Thankfully, someone at the club swiftly got in touch to arrange for me to take my shirt back to the club shop to replace it with a new one. I opted for a safer bet, Russell 12 being my choice. Good old Daryl Russell. Um, oh, and then he sends some nice words. Um, Matthew, what a wonderful email. Thank you so much for sharing that. Great. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still remember I still remember Papa Diop uh, spitting in, into the QPR fans. It was, that was, a magnificent it was a remarkable. He also <laughs> couldn't take it. He couldn't take a throw in. So he was he was a right back, I think. Uh, so he had to take all of the right sided throw ins, and he sort of did it whilst jumping in the air. <laughs> it was quite, it was, a, it was an amusing sight, but not really productive for a throw in. So um, so there we go. Um, anyone else? Uh, I mean, Jacob, did you or Susanna? Have you had any uh, Norwich shirt mishaps? I I, I haven't, but I only I only put my name on because nobody because because I I can never get the spelling of my name anywhere. So I I put my name on the back of my shirt. Although someone did, um, I think someone swore behind me and was like, "Oh no, poor Samantha's in front." And I was like, "Then my name is on the back of my shirt." <laughs> <laughs> just, like Samantha Samantha says this, uh, but no. Uh, but I do know I do know someone who I will keep anonymous. Um, who. Um, a has had a name spelled incorrectly on the back of the show. It's not a Norwich, not a Norwich fan. Um, and they expertly, with an iron, got rid of it and then ordered a letter on the internet and ironed that on. So they wow. they fixed it themselves. And then, yeah, yeah. So that, that is resourceful. What was the it's name that spelled wrong though? I hope it wasn't like Ronaldo. I no, I can't. I can't remember which what, which name it was, but yeah. <laughs> But I'm, I'm remembering now that the, the shirt I had in the same um, era as Matthews, which I think I said um, the other week, was was Phil Mulrine. Um, I had Mulrine on the back of that shirt. Ten broke his leg. Chris Christian <laughs> Daly. So there we go. But sorry about that, Phil. I, I owe him one really for that. Uh, Jacob, have you got any shirts? I've got yeah, I've got plenty of shirts. I've never been a a, ma a fan of the the name on the back. To be honest, mm. um, I was gonna. I can remember probably oh four oh five getting ashton uh, as soon as he arrived that was a lot more uh but yeah and then that was just so close if only we'd signed him in the summer that's all if i can only. think about when i go back to there um, if only. yeah and um but yeah apart from that all i can say is um i've got a good friend of mine who will be listening to this and he has the worst shirt taste in the history of of norwich city fans uh, oh, i like that and i can remember do you remember the red one is it a couple of years ago loves yeah. that lives in it and loves that one he's picked up some of the worst ones he can imagine uh, the do you remember the mcdonald's one as well he has that one as well that third kit and he loves them absolutely loves them and every year we we converse about when the kits come out and he seems to hate all the nice ones but loves the good <laughs> one i don't know if it's to try and wind me up 
or he just has horrendous taste. But he knows I'll be talking about him right now, and uh, he'll be loving it, <laughs> loving it. Fantastic. Is that does that mean he'd buy the third shirt this season rather than the second? Loves it. Yep, literally loves it. Loves it wow, much better, that and like? that's what I mean. That's every year. It's like right, your taste is the polar opposite of of every other human being out there. Which is that, rather... that extend to like non football clothing? Like, does he dress like Austin Powers or something? Uh, he's not bad. I mean, to be fair, I'm not like a fashionista myself, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> but me like, either, mate. Yeah, but like, so yeah, I'll I'll judge him for it, and I'll say, yeah, I've got better clubber than him. But uh, <laughs> in terms of football shirts, and particularly Norwich, yeah, absolutely horrendous. Fair Just mild. absolutely loves the, the the rubbish ones. Fair play, um, Stu. You must have a Billy Gilmore Scotland shirt by now. I don't have any Scotland shirts. Well, no, that's a lie, actually. I got a great gift during the Euros. My mate Craig Easton, um, he was never fully capped by Scotland, but uh, he played Scotland under 21 level with a good career in the leagues in England and up here with Dundee United. And um, he sent me a shirt before the England game that was uh, like he'd, he'd signed, and it was from a Scotland under 21 game he played against Finland. And it was just such a thoughtful Mm. gift, man. Like, I was blown away. And it was like my favourite Scotland shirt. It was the Tartan Euro 96 kit. So um, how he managed to, by the way, have a shirt of his that that extended around my rather more voluminous waist um, was was quite impressive as well. I think he must have... I think the style was a bit more baggy in the 90s. Um, But no, big shout out to Eastie for that. That's that's my favourite shirt story. I love that. Well, I tell you what, um, we can maybe we should open this. I mean, I, I definitely want players on the back of shirt stories. Um, thank you again for yours, Matthew. But also favourite shirts, or or maybe least favourite shirts. I did write a piece on kits um, on the Athletic. Uh, I can't remember when it was. It was a few weeks ago. It'll still be there, so I dig it out. Um, but yeah, if any if any of you out there want to get in touch with us about your shirt stories, uh, then hashtag. Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, or email us directly to this part of the pod, twitterkers at iCloud.com. Um, unless anyone has uh, Kenny other business, I think we're done. Kenny, Kenny uh, just, just that um, you mentioned me an abstract world the ends of the real pod. Like, I think I was just yes. a bit quick on my wits end vibe, you know, because this is normally <laughs> when I go into true abstract mode. A bit like that bit, and you ever seen the film Inside Out? It's the kids' film. Like, and they go inside this thing where they go like fully abstract. That's what happens to me during this segment. Amazing. Um, but I was just, I was just a bit early this time. False start. It's okay, it's true. It's okay. It's allowed. I, I don't know, really know what's going on, to be honest. I'm, I'm straight off to bed after this. Um, well, I think um, that, that will be it for Kenny Other Business. Um, there's loads of stuff we've been covering over recent weeks. So, um, with your. Uh, so get in your songs want player songs shirt stories all sorts whatever you want i'm still going to compile the list of star sign puns as well norwich city star sign puns oh did that and take off that was a message well I don't, no i wouldn't no i wouldn't say it took off i just i just want someone to come back with one that's better than gemini goss <laughs> so uh which i'm just going to keep saying because i love it anyway uh on that note uh, i think we're done so um if I can uh, say uh, to everyone, if you could say goodbye on three, that would be lovely. Uh, Susanna, thank you so much again for joining us. Absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Jacob, thank you. Top work. Thank you. Stu, thanks as always, my man. Merci beaucoup. And uh, <laughs> if we all say goodbye on three, one, two, three. Goodbye. <laughs> Beautifully done. Uh, remember to get in touch. I've sent you, yeah, you've got all the details. Until next time, that's a rope. <laughs>